they were there with us. And when he stood up to preach, they all stood up. And uh, and he seated them, you know. But when he stood up, they stood up. And after the service was over, I asked one of the men at his church, I said, how come y'all stood up every time he stood up? He said, you stand up when a judge walks in, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, even more important than a judge. And I said, yeah, you got a point there, brother. You got a point there. All right, let's let's take our, let's let's take a songbook and let's stand together and let's turn to 104. Number 104. My faith looks up to thee. My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Thou hear me while I pray, take all my guilt away. Oh, let me from this day be holy. Else. Yes, Miss Deborah. 
Okay. 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 Well, we'll be praying you get that straightened out. All right. Um, anybody else? Anything else? My sister's kids and all. Amen. And I just want to praise the Lord. I just want to thank the Lord he, that he used Robert like he did, and he went down there to that service. You know, it just goes to show you a lot of times you feel like you, you ain't you ain't capable or you ain't equipped or whatever, but if you just put yourself in God's hands, he'll give you exactly what you need, and he'll use you. And he'll do things with you you don't know you can do. Amen. We just praise God for that. There's probably others this morning. I know Scott, we need to remember him in prayer. Thankful to have Bonnie back this morning. Won't nobody sit with her, but we're glad that we're glad <laughs> we're glad she's here this morning. Amen. And, and let's remember let's remember all our, our normal prayer requests uh, that we lift up regularly. And let's ask God to meet with us this morning. You pray for me this morning, God will give me strength and give me what I need to preach. Let's go Lord in prayer. Robert Lee's Amen. You can be seated. Great things he has done and great. 
Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen and amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I love you so much. I'm thankful, Lord, to be able to be in your house. Lord, I'm thankful that you give me the strength this morning, Lord, to, to get up from being sick and come and preach. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, to be able to preach. I'm thankful to have your power on me, Lord. I realize it's all you. I couldn't do it if I wanted to this morning. Lord, I know I need you. I'm relying on you, and I pray for your power. Pray, Lord, you give me a clear mind, and Lord, a clear voice. And Lord, I pray you communicate the truth through me this morning. Speak it loud. Speak it clear. And, Lord, I pray the Holy Ghost of God, take it and drive it into the hearts of your people and implant it there, Lord, that we may remember and think on these things when we're not in the house of the Lord. Lord, that we might that we might line up according to your word. Lord, that we might please you and be pleasing in your sight. Father God, I pray even now, Holy Ghost, I pray you take control of the service, for it can take control of the preacher, take control of the listener, and do your work now in our life. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. And all God's people said, amen. All right. Again, I want you to quote that verse with me, if you would. Verse 22, it says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. All right. Now, let me just read let me let me let me read that again and you listen to what it says. Abstain from all appearance of evil. <clears throat> let me give you the common interpretation of that verse. Avoid doing anything that would be misconstrued as sinful and could hurt your testimony before the world. How many of y'all agree with that interpretation of that verse? You're wrong. That's not what that verse is saying at all. That, 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 you're right. That won't be the first time. You know what? That wouldn't be the first time. That, this would not. This would be the first time I've preached it differently than that. Because to be honest with you, it's the first time I really studied that verse out. But when you study that verse out, you find out that it is not telling you to avoid doing anything that somebody might think was simple, or that could hurt your testimony. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people probably, and a lot of preachers who probably preach this verse wrong over and over and over and over again, and from studying it, I found out this is one of the most misunderstood verses of Scripture in the whole Bible. And it's a very simple Scripture. It's really simple as could be. Because here's the interpretation that I just gave you. Nobody could live by that. And nobody should try to live by that. You, you may be confused and say, "Preacher, why are you saying that? That don't make sense." Because I can give you some I can give you some reasons why what what I'm telling you makes sense. If you wear colored clothing and listen to musical instruments, especially in a worship service, I mean, this morning I would appear evil to Mennonites. There's a whole bunch of Mennonites lives around us. They believe in dressing plain in church. They dress plain all the time, and they don't believe in musical instruments in the church house. They believe that's wicked. They believe that's evil. So to you, to, to, to a group of Mennonites this morning, they would view us as doing something evil, and we couldn't be we couldn't be lining up that scripture because of that. I'll give you another one. Uh, if you worship on Sunday, which we're doing today, we appear as evil to Seventh Day Adventists. 
They think we are going to hell because we were worshiping on the first day of the week. Did you know that? They, they really do. They believe that. Because of that, they believe we have taken the mark of the beast and we are on our way to hell. And there's nothing we can do about it. Now, they're wrong, but we appear evil to them. Okay? I'll give you another one. If you commonly, when they play, da, 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 if you commonly salute the flag, then to a Jehovah's Witness, you appear as evil. Did you know that? That's the truth. You appear as evil to a Jehovah's Witness if you salute the flag. If you observe your birthday, you appear as evil to a Jehovah's Witness. If you love Jesus and proclaim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you appear evil to an Orthodox Jew. Because they do not accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. They view him as an imposter, and they view you as doing something evil by believing that Jesus is the Son of God. They, thought, they think that's blasphemous. So therefore, you cannot, you cannot avoid the appearance of evil if you believe on Jesus because there's going to be people that view you as evil. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you disregard the Pope as God's representative on earth, then you appear evil to those folks right down the street, around the corner there, going to that Catholic church. We, we, we appear as evil to them. <laughs> you know, the preacher has a beard. He appears evil to some people. They say, what's he trying to do up there? What's, he, what's that mess on his face? I had a guy in a, in a Long John Silver a number of years ago. He was sitting there eating his, eating his meal, and I don't know how we struck up a conversation. He's sitting over by himself. I'm sitting over by myself. We struck up a conversation. In a matter of a few sentences, he found out I was a preacher. And he said, well, you don't have any whispers on your face. You're proud. You're trying to be something. You're trying to look like something. And he started attacking me. Uh, he thought he, you know, to him that was just pure evil. Now I have my 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 retort was, well, what about Jesus? He had plenty of them on his place, and uh, you know, you know, there are preachers who literally believe when they said they plucked Jesus' beard that it was because he'd been up all night and he hadn't had a shave, and they and they're talking about pulling stubble out of his face. That's what they literally preach because they don't believe in wearing facial hair because somehow that's a connotation with hippies. Okay, and well, that's a long way back yonder to, to try to make that connotation, but but nevertheless, but some do, and and, and there's some there are some people in churches. Look up here, there are preachers who will not let you preach if you have facial hair. There are preachers who will not let me preach for them because I'm wearing purple blue jeans this morning because I didn't use the dry cleaners. Look here, there's preachers who would not let you, and they look on you as evil for wearing cowboy boots in the pulpit. There are all kinds. Why are them glasses? Some people say, well, you're doing something wicked wearing them. Why them glasses? You're full of pride. There's going to be somebody going to look at you, and, and no matter what you do, is what I'm trying to say to you. You are never going to please everybody. Somebody's going to say there's something wrong with what you're doing. If, if you eat meat, you're going to appear as evil to a vegetarian. Think about that. <clears throat> the people that really get me are the, the ones that sit in front of the milk case, and then and, and they protest like you're doing something because they're getting milk. You're hurting these cows. No, you're not. Uh, people are crazy, but anyway. But if you believe in the sanctity of marriage, well, then you appear evil to a sodomite. You're a threat to them because you believe in the sanctity of marriage. That it's between one man and one woman. If you believe in life, then you then you appear as evil to half the country. Apparently, think about it. If you believe in the sanctity of life, that babies should not be murdered in their mother's wombs then you appear as evil to half the country. They say you're, you're evil for not wanting to let them kill their babies. So you're going to have a very difficult time not offending somebody or giving somebody somewhere the idea that you're evil. 
So it's impossible for that verse, abstain from all appearance of evil, to mean what we've all kind of thought it meant all along. Now, let me let me back up just a second here. Now, there's something to be said about not offending a brother, okay? God addresses that. that. There are certain things that are not addressed in the Bible, and we have to discern for ourselves whether they're okay or they're not, okay? Nowhere in the Bible does it say, you know, that your kids should only look at their their uh, phones for a certain amount of time, only have so much screen time, and that's 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 all you need. That's not in the Bible. That's something you have to discern for yourself: what's good and what's right for you, and what's not right for you. Uh, <clears throat> but let me just let me just let me let me delve in this a little more. In the early church, the question came up often whether or not they should eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols in the temple. Now, again, we're talking about a pagan society in, in uh, Asia Minor and in Europe, a total, total, absolute heathen pagan society. And the way things operated in some of those areas is that the, the temple where they would worship idols, they would go in and work, they, what they would do, there was a meat market there, and they were selling pieces of meat, and the person would go in and they would purchase a piece of meat and they would take that meat in, and they would lay it upon that altar of that idol, and they would go in and say their chants and their incantations and their prayers for their idol, and they would go out. Well, then some guy come in and get that meat, take it out there to the market and sell it. So that's the way that worked. They they paid for it, so they got double on it. So anyway, so it went out to the market. Well, people knew that's where you bought your meat. So people went up to the meat market there at the, at the pagan temple, and they got their meat. And they and, and and I'm assuming they they may have even cooked it there. I don't know. I wasn't there. Y'all wasn't either. We're just kind of assuming on some of these things. But I, we know that the meat was was generated through the temple, regardless if they ate it on a picnic table outside the temple or they carried it to their house and ate it. It's irrelevant. The point is, there were certain in the church who had enough sense to realize that rock up there that everybody's bowing down to is not a god. Matter of fact, it's not anything but a rock. So you can stick all the meat in front of that rock you want to stick in front of that rock. It ain't changes that meat one bit. So it ain't going to hurt me one bit to eat that meat because it hasn't it hasn't been sanctified by some idol. That's all a bunch of gobbledygook, okay? And they knew that. They were grown up and mature in their mind. But you had some people who had come out of that who had didn't have that knowledge, okay? Well, let's, let's look about it. Paul speaks on this subject. Romans chapter 14, listen to what he says here. He's talking about this person who, who, who understands that the idol is nothing. Okay, he said, "Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. But he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatever is not of faith is sin." Now let me let me help you understand that. All right. Hast thou faith? In other words, you do you feel like you could you can do this? Is this okay? This must be something that's not spelled out in scripture. Is this something that you you feel you have faith that you can do? It's okay for you to do that God's okay with you doing this? He said, Have it to thyself before God. In other words, if you feel okay about something that, that's not spelled out in the Word of God, if you got peace in your heart that it's okay before God, and somebody else doesn't feel that way, don't you take your liberty and rub it in their face and go, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm a Christian. He said because 
he says, happy, if, if you're okay, if everything's worked out, are you okay? But let's just, let's just, let's just use it this way. Let's, let's, let's talk about eating pork, okay? Let's just use pork because it's something everybody's familiar okay? I'll eat pork all day long. You can, you can shoot straight bacon in my veins. I'm good. Okay? I got no problem pork chops. You name it, man. I love it. Pork, I, I cook with lard. I love pork fat. It's one of the best things on earth to cook with. All right? <laughs> I got no problem. But I have I have run across believers. They would not dare touch a piece of swine. And they feel like that's unclean. And God, they feel like God, boy, God don't want us eating that. Well, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to shove a ham sandwich in their face and go, you can eat this, eat that, go on eat it. I'm not going to do that because you know what? That would hurt their conscience because they feel like there's some stigma still on that. Even though I know the Bible taught it, that when, with Peter down in Joppa, God showed him that he cleansed everything. When you eat it, it's all right. It's to be received with, with thanksgiving. We know that. We understand that. And God was also showing him that men are clean. And he, God had cleansed these things. But that, some people can't get their head around that. Now, that ain't going to send them to heaven or send them to hell regardless, okay? But it's not, it's not for me to abuse my liberty. Because verse 23 says, He that doubteth, the person that thinks there's something wrong with it, is damned if he eats. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to hell. I want you to understand that. It means he finds himself guilty. He, if he ate, he ate a pork chop. He felt guilty before God because he did something he knew. He felt like God didn't, didn't want him to do. So he'd go around guilty, condemning himself because he eateth not of faith, because he didn't feel like it was right. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So if we're doing something that we don't feel right that God would let us do, then that's sinful to us. Okay? That's what God's saying there. All right, now, 1 Corinthians, turn there. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 through 13. This is where he's really going to get into it about offending our brother. All right? I wanted to cover that because I feel like, you know, we need to understand, even though that's not the interpretation, I want you to not miss this, all right? He says in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, 6 through 13, he says, But to us there is but one God, the Father of whom all are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Okay, we're saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, How be it? There is not in every man that knowledge. For some, with the conscience of the idol, he's referring to people who have gotten saved. They're getting uh, people are being saved out of idolatry. People have gotten saved out of idolatry. All right. So he's 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 there in the midst of Corinth and amongst a bunch of people getting saved out of that idolatry. He said, for some, with conscience of the idol under this hour, and what that means is. They still feel funny about that rock because they used to worship that rock. You see what I'm saying? They may know that that ain't really a God. They may have truly believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, but they still feel funny about that temple and all that goes on there. Okay? Let me say something to you. I used to play rock and roll. I was a very, very, very horribly backslidden Christian. I never grew. I never really grew as a believer after I got saved as a little boy. And I, I, I went headlong off into that lifestyle. And I, and I got too way too close to the devil during that time. And I began to understand, to learn, and see how the devil worked through through music and all those things. And I really got a very, very uh, detailed understanding of how the devil works. Okay, so. 
I'm not affected by none of that stuff anymore, but I can tell you there's certain songs that I don't want playing in my midst. Okay? I don't want Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin played around me. Okay, you know what? Because I know what that thing's all about. And I know when you play that sucker backwards, it says Satan, Satan, he is God. And, and, and it talks about it. worship Satan backwards. They did that on purpose. I know what that thing says. There are certain songs I can't hear. They just they just put me in a bad place. I don't want to touch that thing. You understand what I'm saying? It's not that I'm, it has any power over me, but it, do, it gives me a bad vibe when I get around it. I don't want it, okay? And I think that's the way these people felt about things sacrificed to idols. They didn't believe it was going to send them to hell, but they also felt like there was something wrong with it, and they didn't want to do nothing with it, okay? So <clears throat> he says, not in every man is that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol under this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. See, they can't make the difference. They can't differentiate. But meat, he said, but meat commendeth us not to God. Meat doesn't get us closer. Meat doesn't pull us further from God. He said, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. So eating that meat or not eating that meat is not going to do, is not going to affect you one way or the other. He said, but take heed. Be careful, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. In other words, don't, again, don't rub that ham sandwich in their face and go, you can eat this, I need this, look, watch me eat it. That's, that's ugly. That ain't the way a believer ought to be. And us trying to push something that we're settling our mind on on somebody who's not is wrong. That's that's treating them in a in a bad way. And can you imagine if you do that and the cause of you in trying to express your liberty, you send somebody away from God, away from church, away from a prayer life, away from Bible study, saying, I don't want nothing more to do with that Christian life, and they their whole life is in the toilet because of your one action. I was watching a video yesterday where a man was talking about a guy that came to church. He was he was near he was nearly to the end of his life, but he, he hadn't been to church in all them years because a preacher told him a dirty joke fifty years before. It offended his conscience. He said, I won't be back to church. I don't want to be around Christians again. You've got to be careful offending other people. Now I'm on, I'm gonna move on from that. I'm not even gonna stay there any longer on that. Because I think we got the point. All right. But Paul makes this statement in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He said, but I keep, I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. He says, you know, I don't want to tell everybody what God wants and then me turn around and, and, and fail God and, and blow it in front of them and everybody look at me and go, well, well I, you told us we're supposed to live for God. Now look at you. And turn out to be a hypocrite. So I said, you know, he's saying that because he doesn't want to hurt anybody. He doesn't want to hurt anybody's conscience and cause them to walk away from God at, at all. So it, it's it's obvious, it's absolutely understandable. We don't want to appear as a hypocrite to a young believer. So we have to be careful to live by standards that God set. But you know, what I mean, and, and that uh, that kind of I kind of answered my own question, which was, whose standards are we going to live by? We're going to live by God's standards. That's the only standards we can live by because we, we can see that we can't go by man's standards because they're all over the place. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 16, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Let me read that again. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with it. 
Can I give you a good piece of advice this morning? Don't waste your time going around wondering what other people are thinking about you. You waste your time worrying about that. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. Now, that's not arrogance on my part. I used to care about what other people thought about me. But then I read that verse on the sport to you, and I realized the only opinion that matters is God's. So if, if I please God and I, and I concern myself with pleasing God and I try my, my, my very best by God's help, because I can't do it without his help, if I, try, if I try with God's help to please God, then I don't need to worry about what everybody else thinks. Just need to live for God, and that's all that really matters. And if I'll do that, I can assure you I'm not going to go around offending everybody. All right? <clears throat> so instead, spend your time wondering what is God thinking about you. What does God think about this? What does God think about that? So what is this verse of Scripture all about? Abstain from all appearance of evil. I can tell you what it's about. It's about Christian separation. It's not a very popular subject. What does it mean, abstain from all appearance of evil? It means put some space between yourself and evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil. In other words, look up here. It's very simple what the verse means. If evil shows up, get away from it. Don't stay around evil. That old saying, curiosity killed the cat, did a pretty good number on Eve too, didn't it? Yeah, it, it, that, that was that was biblical before it was it was something else. Amen. Uh, Christian separation is very 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 important. Again, if evil shows up, get away from it. I think back to the the story of Joseph and when he when he wound up in Potiphar's house and and again his his wife. I know we've referenced that several times there lately. And Potiphar's wife was a lustful woman and she was attracted to Joseph. And when nobody else was in the house, she tried to get him to go lay with her and he he run plumb out of his clothes. He didn't stick around and debate it and talk about, well, you know, I don't know if I ought to do this or not. You think anybody will find out? No, he just took off. He applied this principle. And evil, the appearance of evil showed up, and he got away. He avoided it. See what I'm saying? That's what God's trying to tell us there. He's not saying worry about what everybody else thinks about you in every way and every, every shape, form, and fashion. That's ridiculous. <clears throat> you know what else it means? It means don't go around evil. Don't go around it. And listen, it, I can promise you this. Let me tell you from experience, so you don't have to find out for yourself if you don't know already. It will hurt you. It will destroy you. Evil ain't nothing to play with. Listen, the evil, evil comes from Satan. He ain't nothing to play with. You don't want to mess with him. We're not to compromise with evil either. Don't make concessions with evil. And I know this happens. I know this happens quite regularly, even in Christian families. Here's why. We'll have a loved one who's in sin. A loved one who's found themselves off in sin, and uh, because we love that person, we'll make concessions with evil. We won't be as hard on them because we well, we love them. When the truth of it is, we need we ought to love God enough to 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 level with that that loved one and let them know that they're they're in direct rebellion against God and they're going to suffer the consequences if they don't turn around. But yet we, we, we tolerate evil, we compromise with it, and I'm going to tell you something, we compromise with it with that stupid idiot box we've got in our living room. We watch stuff on there that we know good and well God will not have us want to, want to love on and, and be interested in, but yet we, we put garbage right in our own home. 
You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me a lot. For those of you that may not be familiar with the story, I'll just kind of simplify it. When, when Lot and Abraham, they, they're, they're, they're making their way to the land where God would, uh, that God would give to Abraham. And, and, you know, Abraham and Lot got a lot of cattle. They got a lot of sheep. They got a lot of, they got, they got a lot of livestock. And, and uh, Abraham's got some cowboys that work for him, and they, they corral his livestock. And Lot's got some cowboys that work for him. You know, they're starting to get into scuffles around the watering hole. And, 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 you know, they said, hey, we might split up. This land ain't big enough for the both of us. We're going to split up. So Abraham says, whatever, whatever, whatever you want, whichever, whichever place you want, you take whatever you want, and I'll take the other. And, and Lot, he looked over here. He looked over at the, at the plains of, uh, of Sodom, and he, he saw over there in that direction, man, that it was green and lush. And he said, man, that's, over here's a bunch of scrub brush and, and, and rocks and desert, and over here it's lush and green. I'm going to go over here towards the city, I think. And so they took that land, and let me just read it to you real quickly. I'll try to read it fast. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. It is is it not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. And if thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right hand. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that is well watered everywhere before the Lord towards Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, he said. It was just like the garden of Eden out towards Sodom. And like the land of Egypt as thou comest unto Zoar. And then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. He pitched his tent. He could have pitched his tent any direction he chose. But when he come out of his door and sat down in his lawn chair, what was he doing? He was looking at the big city and all his kids. When they came out to sit and round the fire or whatever, what are they doing? They're looking over yonder at the fire. Fire's burning in Sodom and Gomorrah. They're looking over there, watching all of the all of the commotion and all the traffic and all the commerce, and they're going, wow, that looks neat over there. We should probably get down there where all the stuff's happening, all the actions down there. See, they got their eyes on the wrong thing. They compromised with evil. They started, they, they, the, more, the, the more he looked at it, the closer he got until he, he's inside him. And then he's a big wheel inside him. And pretty soon, God is having to drag him out of there lest he die inside him. I'm going to tell you something. This world will destroy you if you look, you look at it and long after it. There ain't nothing that you've left that you need to go back for. If evil shows up, get away. Amen? God, God's pretty serious about this. God is not into fence strategies. God doesn't allow fence strategies. God says it's one way. It's my way or a highway. It's either my way or it's your way. It's either blessing or it's cursing. It's either follow me or are you going to suffer the consequences along the way. 
I'm going to tell you, his way's right. His way's always right. First John 2, 15 through 17, I know y'all know this passage, but it tells us in no uncertain terms, love not the world. Love not the world. Why? Because this world does not love God. This world hates our God. This world loves sin. This world loves darkness and wickedness and evil. It's consumed with it. He says, neither the things that are in the world. In this evil world produces evil. And it just gets worse every day, doesn't it? Y'all see it. It just gets worse every day. He said, if any man loved the world, and that means that means he's looking back. That means that's the way he's got his tent pitched. That's the way he's looking. He loves the world. God says, my love's not in him. He doesn't love me if he loves the world. But he might say, well, I do too. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Of course I love the Lord. But does it show in your life? Well, uh, do as much as anybody else. But do you avoid the appearance of evil? Well, you know, got to live in this world, y'all, you know. You can make all kinds of excuses why you allow things in your life. Well, you know, oh, my kid's this, or my wife's that, or we've always this, or, you know, I just feel like the Bible, this, that, and the other. You can come up with a reason if you want to do wrong. There's a million excuses to do wrong. But God tells us all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, that's the desire to do what I want to do, the lust of the eyes, that's the desire to have anything I want to have, and the pride of life, that's the thought that I know everything, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. The world's headed for destruction, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. God doesn't want us. Uh, he, he doesn't want us accepting evil or compromising with evil or, or, or letting evil in. He also wants us to keep our eyes open and, and not be blind to evil. Because I think a lot of people don't even realize it when evil's next to them. Listen, the Bible tells what we just learned last week, we're to prove all things. That means tested. I can tell you, when, when a cop pulls somebody over, and, and, and their suspicion, and they start going through their things, and they find a little bag got white powder in it. They don't go, oh, that just must be some, that must be some makeup or something, and throw it aside. No, what do they do? They, they get a little test kit out on the back of that cruiser, stuff in it, and if it turns a certain color, well, they know it's either meth, or they know it's cocaine, or they, a fentanyl, or whatever it is. They, they prove it with that chemical to find out what it is. And God tells us we're to prove things in our life, and how do we prove them with? What's the chemical we use? Well, it's the Word of God. And when we apply the word of God to these things we're unsure about, God's word, God will either say, God's word will either show us that this is okay or this is not okay. And if it's unclear about it, we need to pray about it until we get peace about that thing. And if we don't have peace, we need to leave it alone. But we don't need to be blind to evil. And by the way, y'all, y'all realize that Walt Disney is evil? Did y'all know that? Disney is evil. It's pure evil. But, you know, most people in this world, they say, oh, it's just kids' stuff. It's just it's just kids' entertainment. Ain't nothing wrong with it. No, Mickey Mouse a rat. He's a dirty rat, and he's always been a dirty rat. And and, I, and I've, I've thought it all along. It's pornographic. The Disney Corporation is full of pornography. It's satanic. It's Luciferian. And it's after the children of America. And you know what? We need to get away from it. We need to keep our kids away from it and our grandkids away from it because it is evil. And evil will dress itself up cute if it thinks you will accept it. 
It's full, the TV is full of cute evil. There's junk that comes on that TV that, that, that's hideous. I mean, there's just outright satanic worship disguised as children's programs put out by the Disney Corporation. And they're not the only one. They're just one of the biggest. But I'm just saying, there is evil all around us. And the only reason I put that in there is because it's just, it's just blatant, and it needs to be said. And people need to continue to hear that. That, that Listen, and, and Disney ain't just a – and I'm not here to just preach on Disney. I'm just, that's just one thing. But you realize it's not just a Mickey Mouse cartoon. It's an entire entertainment industry. They own ABC television. They own everything. Uh, but we need, to, we need to be careful of what we let in these eye holes. We need to be careful of what we let in these ear holes because David said, mine eye affected my heart. What, what goes in is going to affect me. I'm not, I, I need to be careful what I listen to because the music I listen to, the lyrics that go into my ears, they either glorify God or they glorify sin. We need to be careful and not be blind to evil. When I say, well, I like that song, so it's okay. No, if it's evil, turn it off. If it's evil, say, forget it. I don't need to listen to that anymore. The majority of the garbage on television is evil. And it's marketed to draw you toward evil. And this includes the news. It's evil, too. They're lying to you. It's nothing but pure lies. Listen, our hearts and our minds are being poisoned by way too much information that's false. God is telling us, prove all things and avoid the appearance of evil. And again, we've got to prove it by his word. Today's Christians entertain way too many traditions and amusements and entertainment that are nothing but evil. We accept traditions that that we've been handed down, and we don't even know where it came from. We have no idea its origins. We have no idea if it's evil. If we're, uh, who, who brought it into our life? Where they got it? We don't know. God wants us to, let me tell you something. God wants us to prove all things. When, when I finally surrendered to God and, and, and set out to live for him, I'm just a nosy person. I'm, I don't just accept things. I want to know the origin of things. I want to know where this idea came from. Not, not with the word of God. I trust God's word. But I'm saying other things, things that people do, traditions that are in families and things that make I don't know where this started from. So I, I'm, I'm like an investigative reporter. I, I, go, I, I go to digging and start searching. And you know what I find nine times out of ten? You go back far enough, you'll find out there's something wicked associated with a lot of things. A lot of things that we think are innocent, we find out they have, they have idolatrous beginnings. <clears throat> One of the originators of Santa Claus is Odin, by the way. Y'all ever heard of Odin? Well, he's a he's a long, beard, white bearded guy with one eye. For some reason, that one eye was sacrificed by him to save the world. He kind of sounds like Antichrist, who'll have who's going to suffer an injury and lose one of his eyes. But he he rides across the night sky in his chariot, being pulled by his goats, Nasher and Crasher. Almost sounds like Dancer and Blitzen and Donner and Cupid and all that stuff. So that's the originator. I mean, that's back in the line. And if you fly, and where did Odin come from? Odin came from Baal. So if you trace Santa Claus back, you wind up at Baal. You say, preacher, you're stretching that. No, I'm not stretching that. I had somebody else researched that ahead of me. But I'm telling you that we need to make sure that we're serving God and not following traditions of men which are associated with evil. And, and again, 
I'm not trying to jump on you this morning. I'm just trying to tell you when you set out when you set out to really uh, abstain from evil, you're going to find out there's a lot you need to abstain from. There's a lot that's evil in this world that we really should depart from. <clears throat> but we're we're guilty of turning a blind eye to evil all around us when God tells us to prove things. He's just telling us to get away from it. Colossians 2.8, beware. Beware. Warning, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy. You see, men are going to try to reason God away. And you better be careful because they'll come at you and say, well, yeah, but this is, you don't understand how philosophy works. You don't understand how the mind works. You don't understand this, that, and the other. They'll try to reason God out of the equation. They've done that all throughout our society. They reason God out, reason God away. He says, beware because man's going to try to spoil you through his philosophy and his vain deceit, his empty-headed lies. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, that, that's talking about astrology. That, that's exactly what that's describing, and not after Christ. Trying to tell you that the bodies of uh, the celestial bodies control your life. And, and uh, you know, you're talking about psychics and, 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 and tarot card readers and, and necromancers and all. They had all those people back there in, in, in Paul's day. That, the world was full of them, and it still is. God's telling us to beware of this nonsense, beware of all of it. Uh, Matthew Henry wrote, we should abstain from sin and whatever looks like sin and leads to sin and borders on it. In other words, if it borders on sin, don't be, don't be happy to sit right next to it. Get away from it. Completely get if you're not if you're if you're kept out next door to sin, you know what you're gonna be like a lot. You're gonna be looking at it. And the, and your natural flesh is gonna be drawn to it. Now your your spirit may not be, you may say, I know that's wrong, but your flesh is still gonna be drawn to it because that's that's what your flesh is. It's wicked. Your flesh didn't get saved. Your flesh will never be saved. Amen. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 10, 14, I'm almost done. Y'all hang with me. In 1 Corinthians 10, 14, the Apostle Paul wrote, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. He said, run, run, don't walk, run, get away from it. They were surrounded by it. That's all they've known. That was their whole existence, was idolatry their whole life. So he said, look, it'd be really easy for you to fall back into that. So don't get close to it. Because it's it's magnetic for you. It's it's your old rut. That's the way you used to be. It's like an old rut. Don't get next to it. You might fall back in that rut. And I'd say that to you. Whatever your sin was in the past, don't be camped out next to it. Get away from it. If it shows up, leave. Don't believe, oh, I'm strong now. I can handle it. Get away from it. If it's some old show you used to watch and you know it's wicked and you shouldn't be watching, don't let it go on your TV. Shut her off. Idolatry, though. He says, flee from idolatry. Well, what is idolatry? Idolatry is anything, look here, anything that is placed before or above God. That's it, anything. It doesn't have to be something made out of marble. It doesn't have to be something made out of some kind of stone or, or gold or silver. It doesn't have to be a statue. It can be anything. It can be your reflection in your mirror. It can be the money in your billfold or your purse. It can be the items in your house. 
It can be your television set. It can be your vehicle. It can be your, your significant other. It can be your children. Let me tell you something. You start making an idol out of your children, God has a way of taking them off the planet. <clears throat> we must not ever put anything above God. That's a, I mean, again, it's idolatry. Even when a believer does it, that's idolatry. But the Apostle Paul in this passage, and I'm almost done. I'm wrapping it up here. The Apostle Paul is speaking here about doctrinal evil. He's talking about error. He's talking about heresy and all forms of it. We're to avoid it. Besides the New Testament, avoid anything else that's new. I can tell you right now, new and modern does not line up with God's doctrine. We're living in a world where everything new just about comes out. It's, 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 it's something that's already been tried before and didn't work. There ain't nothing new under the sun, God said, with the old stuff. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. If we want God's blessing in our life, we've got to ask him, Lord, show me the right way. I want to do it the old-fashioned way, the way the saints of God have always done things. I want to serve you and have a relationship with you that that, that is not like people who are trying to, to ram you into their to their godless life and trying to fit you into a compartment of a wicked, godless life and trying to somehow make you fit there. Because a lot of people are trying to do that. Again, they're like people going down a buffet line. They get a little bit of they get a little bit of, 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 of party life, they get a little bit of home life, and they get a little bit of Jesus life. Go along with it. They, they, it's, it's, there's no separation under God. It's trying to it's trying to mix the holy and the profane together. He says you got to come out from all that stuff. We're living in a day and time where people are talking about speaking their truth. Well, this is well, this is my truth. Well, you don't have any truth outside of the Lord's truth. In John fourteen six, Jesus said, "I am the truth." People are making gods out of themselves when they say those things. Realize that when people say they're speaking their truth, they're making a god out of their own self. They're the, they are their own idol, and they serve themselves. In Proverbs twelve fifteen, Solomon said, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. The man that will listen to God is a wise man, but the man that thinks he's got it all figured out, God says he's a fool. First Timothy 6, 3-5. If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and of the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. He's describing a lot of preachers in this country today who preach the prosperity gospel, who preach, again, like I said last week, if you're not well and you ain't rich, then God's blessing ain't on your life. That's a lie of the pit of hell. He said, he said these, again, he's describing people who, who, are, who are full of false doctrine. They're proud, so they're not right with God. They don't know anything, and, and they want to argue about things. They want to argue and argue and argue. 
God says to avoid that nonsense. The Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in all the churches. He says from people like that, he says in verse 5, from such, withdraw thyself. Isn't that the same thing as avoid all appearance of evil? When you listen, we want to we want to get close to God and keep God's word pure in our lives. We don't want to cloud it up with other ideas and, and other thoughts from other people. I, I don't want to I, I don't want anybody to come in and try to twist the scripture to fit their beliefs and try to tell me I got to go along with it. No, no, no. The Bible tells us there. In, uh, it says in verse twenty three, and the very God of peace. We go. We're moving on from this. We're gonna get down through here and finish this thing. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's telling them, again, you, don't need, you, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You need, to, you need not despise preaching. You need to prove it and make sure it's right. And he said you need to stay away from evil. He said, and I'm praying for the God of peace to sanctify. And sanctification is holiness before God. He's saying, listen, uh, I, want you to be, I want you to be right with God. I want you to live a holy life before God. Sanctify you, W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely holy. <clears throat> Again, we're withdrawing ourselves from evil and, withdraw, and, and we're, we're like I said, withdrawing from evil and drawing near to the Lord. And I want you to notice something else in verse 23 here. God's order being so different from man's order. When man describes his being, what does he say? I'm body, soul, and spirit. But when God does it here in verse 23, notice he says spirit, soul, and body. See, God, everything we do is backwards. It's because we're living on this backward, sinful world. If we looked at it right way, we'd look at the way God looks at it. God puts us in the proper order. See, God wants us to separate ourselves spiritually unto him. Okay? We have to separate ourselves spiritually unto him and, and away from anything that appears evil. And any time evil makes an appearance around us, we're to remove ourselves immediately from its presence. And the reason for that is because evil affects us spiritually. Again, I'll tell you about those songs. I don't want those songs played in my presence. Why? Because they affect me spiritually. It's an attack, spiritual attack on my being. And whatever affects us spiritually if it affects us spiritually, it's going to affect the way we deal with others. Because it can't. if you, something affects you spiritually, it's going to change the way you are, the way you think, the way you act. And that's what Paul means when he says that our soul be preserved blameless. When we're spiritually right with God and, and in, our, in our walk with him, then our life is going to reflect that. And our ways, look here, our ways can't help but please those others around us, right? And when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Again, we're not causing them any trouble when our life is right with God. And if we're spiritually right with God and our life is reflecting that, our, our, our bodies should be kept from sin for the most part as well. Uh, listen, I mean, again, if, if, I'm, if, I'm in a, if I'm in a close personal relationship with God, and and the and the love and the light and the life of Christ is being reflected through my soul to other people. I'm not going to be going. I'm not going to be hanging out, camped out next to sin. I'm not going to be hanging around sinners doing sinful things and being okay with it. 
If my spirit is sanctified and I'm drawn close to Christ, again, and his love is, is flowing through my life, I don't have a desire to get away from it. I want to be closer to it. So it can't help, it can't, honestly can't help but produce righteousness and holiness in my life, even in my body, because Christ is in control. Verse 24, faithful is he that calls you, who also will do it. Amen. Paul has given us an assurance that he's not just speaking words into the air, that God, God is, he's bragging on God. He's saying, listen, I know from experience what God will do. I used to be a murderer. I used to be somebody that hated God. I hated, I mean, not God, but he hated Christ. He hated Jesus. He wanted Jesus dead. He, he hated he hated the Christian religion. He said it's, it's, it's a worthless waste of time, and I need to get rid of every one of them. And what did God do? He totally changed it. And he says, I know what God can do. I've experienced the power of God. And so knowing that, Paul says this in Philippians 1.6. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's gonna, God, God can take you from where you are now and make you into what he wants you to be. But you've got to come to him in submission and say, Lord, I can't do it. I need you to take control of my life. I need, listen, we need to come, and if there's something in our life that doesn't belong there, if God's showing us that, then we need to come and confess it and, and repent of it and ask God to remove it. If there's things we're allowing, evil that we're allowing into our life, maybe nobody else knows about it. Maybe it's a secret thing that, we, that we're keeping from everybody. Well, let me tell you something. God knows about it. And if it's evil, God wants you to get away from it. God doesn't want you to entertain it anymore. Verse 25, he says, brethren, pray for us. Amen. A simple verse of scripture, but such a very needful one. I'm going to tell you something. Please pray for me. Your preacher needs your prayers. I, I, I couldn't make it without them. Pray for not just me, but pray for all those that labor in the word of God. I can tell you the devil's out. He's, he's against every one of us, and he's destroy every one of us if he could. Please pray for protection for your pastor and protection for those who labor in the word of God around you. <clears throat> Verse 26, he says, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, let me just stop right there and say for a minute, that was the custom in the Middle East. You've seen people do that in movies and on TV where they grab one another and they go kiss one another on the cheek. That's their standard customary greeting. People did that every day. They thought nothing of it. It's different from smacking somebody on the lips and holding an embrace. There's a difference in that kind of kiss and a kiss that wasn't holy. Having said all that, we don't do that in America. We shake hands. So you can equate this to a holy handshake or a holy hug, but let's make sure we put that word holy on there. That a hug can linger too long, and a hug can be uncomfortable and not be right. We need to make sure we do that, that it is holy, and that, that probably means we ought to keep our hands off one another more, most we can. But, but he's saying we ought to be loving and, and, and let one another know that we love one another, and we should. We're brethren, and that's the way it should be. He says in verse 27, I charge you by the Lord Jesus, by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren, and we have done that. Amen. Every word, we got it. In verse 28, he said, And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
be with you. Amen. Amen. And that's my prayer for you this morning, is that God's grace will go with you as you leave here. And these things that we've talked about this morning, that you'll apply, that you not just accept anything that comes your way, that you, that you prove it by the word of God. And not only that, but that you go through your life with a fine-tooth comb and you say, let me look at some things in my life. Do these things really belong here? Are these things godly? Are these things, are these things not, maybe they're not detrimental to you, but are they detrimental to those in your life? We need to ask because, you know what, we're the servants of the Most High God, and he wants, us, he wants us to be profitable. And anything that hinders us from being profitable doesn't belong. Amen. Let's stand together. Please. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.